Hey guys, we're back again on uh, Truth to Kings podcast. And um, here, my name is Timmy. And uh, as usual, my boy here, Sean, we just want to talk about um, something that literally, you know, this this is an interesting one for me, man. And uh, we've called tonight's uh, conversation Selling a White Christ. A folktale. And before we go into that, while I let that marinate for a second, mm. you know, I just want to um, let you remind you all that um, we are actually available on most podcast platforms. And please, please, please check us out. Want to hear your opinions. We want to, you know, let people know about what we're doing. If you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know too. You know, we may not like what you say, but hey. <laughs> we're on um, Google, we're on um, Apple, Apple, we're on uh, Spotify. Spotify, you know, um, Facebook especially, like us, share your opinion, like I said, and YouTube. And this is something that we're doing right now, man. Um, if you make a comment or a question or whatever, you know, we'll just randomly pick the one that we think is the most stimulating. And we have the shirts, like some of the shirts that you see my boy Sean wear on this uh, podcast. We have some. You'll tell us your size and all, and we'll shoot you one for free. All right. So, um, Selling White Christ, a folktale. I think it was Desmond Tutu that said that um, when the white men came to Africa... They had the Bibles and we had the land. Mm -hmm. And then when we closed our eyes to pray. Yeah, they said, let us pray. Let us pray, right? Yeah. <laughs> By the time we opened our eyes, we had the Bible and they had the land. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of, you know, subjugation and colonization came, came at the twin barrels of a gun and the Bible. Mm-hmm. What we've been told is, you know, the subjugation and the civilization and the, um, you know, giving culture to savages, right, as part of the white man's burden was something that they were called to, you know what I'm saying? Some kind of divine, yeah. some kind of divine, you know, message. Yeah, saving, that it the, is. saving the souls. Saving the souls of the savages. So... Even in Nigeria, like, you know, Nigeria, West Africa, um, um, a lot of East Africa, um, there are missions and missionary schools, right, that are remnants of, of the adventures that the Roman Catholics, the Anglican Church, and, you know, a plethora of them, you know, when they came to Africa to save the save the souls of the um, of the, of savage the savages that was bound for hell, Abby. Yeah, you know, <laughs> dig this, man. Um, this this conversation, man. I it, I find you know it conf you know I, I have internal conflicts with it. Talk to me. You know, um, I totally understand. I'm a Christian. Mm. You know, I totally understand. You know the concept of preaching, you know, sharing the gospel, mm. you know. It is actually incumbent upon a Christian to do that. Mm. It's one of the tenets of, you know, mm. um, the relationship with God and all of that. Mm. But uh, also, being an African, being a student of history, you know, of culture and all of that, I also understand the 
connotations, you know, all this baggage that comes with the religion of Christianity. Mm. You know, how it was used to subjugate the continent, mm. how it was used to colonize the continent. And this is actually not just Africa, but most... Everywhere. Yes, most um, non... Everywhere where black and brown yes, exist, yes. they came with yes. the... Most non-European cultures you know, were actually subjugated under the guise of Christianity. And for me, Africa particularly, mm. you know, one of the things that, um, one of the, the, the reasons why they tell, you know, why, you know, the oppressor defends himself, one of the things that he hides behind is that he brought the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, to this continent. Mm. And, um, you know, so a lot of the atrocities that was carried out on my people was done in his name. Was done in his name, mm. and um, like I've always said, I, like we've always said in the, on this on this platform, right? The thoughts, the ideas of the oppressor, right? The I, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned about what the other the the other group thinks. It's about the way we think, because I believe if we think right, we are able to make changes mm -hmm. to bring about this equity that we are all talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, so for, for, you know, when they tell you that, you know, the, the, the error in the whole concept of Euro bringing Christianity to Africa is so false. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it, it is such a big lie mm -hmm. that, any person who actually takes a few, you know, a, a little bit of time to read the Bible for themselves, mm. you know, to start off, the gospel of the Bible, right? The story of the Bible, the story of Christ, mm. you know, couldn't pre, you know, the story of the salvation of Christ, you know, I'm using air quotes and all of that, right, in the context of this conversation, could not predate the writing of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, if in this New Testament that we read, mm -hmm. this story, you know, these stories are now, you know, that the uh, people who now tell us that they brought, they're bringing um, the, their faith, the religion to us. If within these stories that they're telling us, you know, we go to a book in the, in the, New, in the um, New Testament called the Book of Acts, mm -hmm. Chapter 8, mm. we read about an encounter with an apostle called Philip mm. with a man that is identified as the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm. The Ethiopian eunuch, you know, the Bible is in this book, right, this book of Acts, identifies who he is mm. as being in, from the court of Queen Candace. Mm. Candace, you know, we're not going to go into the historicity of all of this, but I just want to um, let people understand that um, Candace was not a person called Candace. Candace or Candace is actually a set of queens, mm. you know, that existed a little south of Egypt. You know, so there, were, there was a, a, a group of queens that were called the Candaces. You know, this Ethiopian eunuch, came from Africa, mm. from a Kandeche, came over, you know, to Palestine, mm. 
you know, and this apostle Philip engaged him. He heard the gospel, the original gospel of Christianity. Mm. Philip was with Jesus Christ. Mm. He heard the original gospel of Christianity and went back mm. to his people. Mm. With the gospel. With the gospel. <laughs> this, 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 my point is, this book that they brought over, right, millennia later. Is what? To, te- to, to tell us that it's bringing Christianity to us. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, you, you read, you te- you teaching me about a story of my own people. Mm. You know, you telling me you telling me that you're introducing something to me, yet you tell you know in the story you're introducing to me, I'm in there. Mm. How can you be introducing me to me? So, so to me, right? To me, my um, my concern of a white Christ is more prosaic um, as concerns you know dealing with my people. Um, I know that in an earlier podcast, we spoke about appropriation. Mm-hmm. There is no greater appropriation. There is no greater appropriation than the appropriation of the image of Christ as some blonde-haired, blue-eyed blue-eyed. chap. Um, for the record, if a blonde-haired, blue-eyed chap lived in Israel at the time that they claim he did, that guy would have died of melanoma long before he got crucified. But, <laughs> but in the context of what we're talking about, they came conquering in his name. They came conquering in the name and image of this, this white Christ. And to me, there's no greater appropriation. The Coptic Christians, the Coptic Christians, and Coptic just means... Um, Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Coptic Christians say that they recognize the divinity of Christ even before he started his ministry. Um, the Coptics are Egyptians. And what they said was when Mary and Joseph ran into Egypt, Egypt. to hide from Herod and they brought Christ, that was when they first recognized his divinity. As a matter of fact, the Coptics will, will trace their beginning to BC before he died. Where most other churches are AD. After. After he died. And it's it's so funny to me that, you know, it's now been, you know, historically documented that the early Egyptians were, you know, were Nubians, you know, black like you and me. So the idea of a white family running into Egypt, being chased by would be absolutely absurd and stupid if if it wasn't laughable. Yes, if they weren't. If they, if they, it didn't integrate. It didn't integrate. Yeah. But here's what's funny, though. Here's what's funny. So the Coptics, if you go and read their history, they say that they were part of the propagation and the and the spread of the gospel of Christ, not just down into Nubia, but also into places like Ethiopia and those kind of places, and that the Coptic Christians in Egypt, they were one of the primary sources of resistance of pagan. Rome. So Rome, that was currently occupying Israel and Egypt at the time, was considered to be pagan. So there were Christians in Africa. When Rome, a pagan occupier, was there. Isn't it funny that the first 
the first convert of Rome to Christianity was Emperor Constantine. And this guy did not convert into Christianity until 312 AD. 312 mm. AD. So 300 years after Christ died, this, this white emperor has an epiphany that, yeah, maybe we should stop being pagan. Maybe now we should start being Christian. Long after there were establishments of churches in Africa. In Africa. So how did you bring me this white Christ? You know, the, the whole thing about this that, you know, makes makes it conversation that, you know, I want to, you know, I want to engage in tonight is, you know, the, um, I believe, you know, one of the biggest obstacles, right, for the advancement or for the betterment of the African continent today is religion. It is. Yeah. You know, we're so caught up in religion, you know, that we can't seem to move forward because in religion, when I see, you know, our, our so-called religious leaders, right, mm -hmm. and the way they almost bow down to, you know, the uh, Western or the European mm -hmm. influences, mm -hmm. even today, it, it just, you know, it, 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 it causes me to, to wonder where, you know, how, you know, we, without us understanding that, because I believe that part of this bowing down and all of that mm. is still under this in, this erroneous impression mm. that these guys are the ones, you know, they, they brought this thing to deliver us, to save us. So therefore, we have to listen and learn and, you know, whatever they say is gospel and all of that. But, you know, for me personally, in this conversation, mm. I've identified that I'm a Christian. Mm. You know, so those thoughts, you know, of faith and all of that are important to me. You know, but it's still a choice for everybody to choose which way, they, however they want to live their lives. You know, so for me now to now, you know, I believe that for us to, to, to move forward, mm. you know, we have to, you know, somehow this, you know, disassociate our minds mm. from this deliverer. You know, this imported deliverance from somewhere. So historically, mm. you know, without getting into the faith and all of that, the historical, you know, the historical truth of this thing mm. is that, no, this, so, this faith, this religion that mm. you embrace, you know, did not come from Europe. So, so, so here's my thing. I mm -hmm. um, just want to say a couple of things. Like, so first of all, may a thousand poxes invade the houses of every single one of these religious leaders that I just spoke about. That's the first thing. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Here's the second thing. Knowledge, knowledge breeds responsibility. Mm. If you know something, then it is incumbent upon you to go and share that knowledge. But then that responsibility breeds change. You cannot know something and not be responsible to spreading it and then being responsible to spread it, you cannot stay the same. You have to change. You have to change. You and I speak about lucidity and, and clear thinking. And I've said to you in many conversations that clear thinking scares a lot of people. Clear thinking scares people because it demands change from them. Hmm. You are responsible 
to changing. So a lot of people do not embark upon this journey because they are afraid of what they will find. Why am I saying this? I'll tell you why. I've always said to you that you cannot look at the snapshot of anything and understand the whole thing. You need to, you need to go and look. But then when you look, you will see. So for instance, I'm going to talk about two laws, two laws. I've always often said to you that I am not concerned by history. I'm concerned by laws though. History is fiction that's agreed to by the victors. But their laws never change. And if you can just, just go back and look at their laws, you will get a better understanding of what they were thinking and why they did the things they did. So I'm going to talk about two laws. The first one I'm going to talk about was enacted in 1452. It was a law that came straight out of Italy, out of the house of the Pope. It was a papal bull. Probably that's where the word BS comes from, but it was the papal bull. This papal bull was called Dom de Versus. Dom de Versus. Please go and Google and research it. Dom de Versus was when the Pope said to Europeans that black people are chattel slaves and if you go and you conquer them, you will not be in danger of hellfire. Mm. This came out of the Roman Catholic Church. They told both the Portuguese and the Spanish, if you go and you subjugate these savages, you will not be in danger of hellfire. Wow. This started the adventure that we're now still talking about so many Centuries, Centuries later. There was another law. It was called Romanus Pontifex. Romanus Pontifex. Another law. This one came out in 1455. Out of this same house. The house of the Pope. This one said that you can seize their lands. You can seize, subjugate, and take their lands. And once again, you will not be in danger of hellfire. Why is this important? You said earlier that we should separate the divinity and the faith of Christ to the way he was sold to us. What I'm saying is that the people that sold, sold him to us, they were not selling his divinity. Neither were they selling his faith. What they were selling was what the Roman Catholic Church was talking about, which is it is our divine right to take from you. It is also our divine right to take you and because we are taking you in the name of this fictitious person we are not in danger of hellfire well i got news for you all y'all is all y'all is yes. <laughs> because the hell the hell that they propagated on africa based on this fiction we are still dealing with the ramifications until today and what is this fiction that this guy, this white guy, this white guy considers you of no import. That what you need to do is listen to other white people that look like him. And that in listening to him, maybe, maybe you may find a place for yourself in their fictitious heaven. So what are we, what, what are we saying? You know, um, the reason, you know, right, what you just did, right? It's actually bringing the reason mm. 
why their Christ had to be white. Yes. You know, the Pope and the people, you know, that enacted these laws could not, can you imagine, you know, enacting laws that these people are not human if the Christ that they were teaching you about was look actually like a person of color? That it like will it? make no sense. In fact, now they're talking about maybe we need to revisit the idea that Christ was a white person. Maybe we need to start looking at the possibility. I'm like, who is even saying this? It's the same people now, the same people. <laughs> I'm like, so after all these years of causing mayhem, wahala, after all these years of subjugating in the name of this fiction, fictional person, now, now, when people's eyes are beginning to open to what you've done, now you want to revisit this. That's why I keep on saying that some conversations have nothing to do with the oppressor. No, that is the, that, that's the whole point of what we do here. <laughs> some conversations, is, yeah. it's, it's us. It's us. You because I, am, I can understand why the oppressor did what he did. My question is, why are you continuing on a foundation built by your oppressor to oppress you? That I don't understand. understand. Let me tell you a funny story. There was a chap called Livingston. Livingston came from a... a David Livingston. Livingston. He came from uh, an organization called LMS. I think it was called the London Missionary Society. That's correct. So these guys went up and down Africa trying to teach Christ. They had a very, very funny encounter when they got to Botswana. After they were able to get over the language barrier and all their nonsense of preaching this white Christ, David Livingston wrote in his diary, like, I think these guys know Christ. All of their laws and all of their belief system is similar to what we preach. As a matter of fact, they are a monotheistic culture. culture. And their understanding of the Bible, even though we didn't have Bible, their understanding of the Bible is lockstep with our understanding of the Bible, except for one thing. They do not believe in monogamy. This was David Livingston writing this. So he then starts to document where he found the same things. And it's still happening until today with the Lembers in South Africa. So what they were preaching to us was not Christianity. What they were preaching to us was a language. Because in our language, we don't call him Christ. No, we don't call him Christ. We call him something else. That's right. But remember what I keep saying to you. If you do not speak in the language of the oppressor, they do not recognize what you're saying. That's right. If I don't call this guy Jesus, we can't be talking about the same person. That's right. Even though my belief system is monotheistic. And unless I agree to see him the way you want me to see him, you delegitimize what I am saying. Uh Unless I can go into your... Remember this. Judeo-Christianity was a desert religion. It started in the desert. It didn't start in all these gothic churches that they had. Where you had to go in, wear these stupid robes, and then pretend to a piety that nobody had. 
where everything is so ordered and organized, where you come in and they're doing all kinds of rubbish. No, our engagement, our engagement with our Savior or our engagement with our deity was much more relationship-based. It was not formulaic. What they preached was a formula, and that formula allowed them to subjugate. That's right. That's why you had to um, you had to actually see this deliver yeah. a particular way. Yes, you know he had to be blunt. He had to be blue-eyed. And one of the things that I you know I just a random question, right? Do you know for people to think about? You know, uh, just by reflex, mm. you know, when you think about Christ in your mind, what picture do you see? Mm. That is a to me that is a very important way of looking at this. You know, when you visualize a portrait of Jesus Christ, mm. whose face or what kind of face mm. do you see? And in this com- in this question I'm asking, I'm ask- I'm actually, you know, I-, I know all kinds of people are probably hearing mm. hearing this, but I want act- I'm actually trying to understand. I'm trying to actually get people of color, mm. you know, to ask themselves this question. I mean, one thing that I think continues to bother me right now is this. If you go to many houses of color or black people and you and you present them with an idea of another Christ, they will fight you. They will fight you. My concern, like I keep on saying, has never been with why the oppressor does what he does. My concern has always been why do we as a people accept it and continue to use the same logic to oppress ourselves. I was talking to my son um, earlier today, right? And we were talking about the cross, for instance. And my son, God bless him, he was talking about how the cross as an instrument of torture actually predates Christ. Yeah, of course. He equates equates the cross with a gun. When these guys came, they came with Christ on a cross. I'm like, that's similar to putting a an image of a gun on your neck. But because you don't understand who this person is, that makes sense to you. So majority of Christians now will wear a cross on their neck, not knowing that what you're actually wearing or what you're actually symbolizing is an instrument of torture. Now, to your question, what does he look like? The Bible says you're not really supposed to have an image of him, even though the Bible goes to great pains to tell you exactly what he looks like. But you're not really supposed to have an image of him. In other words, them having this image of him is actually contrary to the Bible that they brought. True or false? That's true. True or false? It's true, right? That's true. So why are my people so invested in this picture of a fictitious person that was used to subjugate them? That is the question I am yet to be able to answer. And the only answer that I can come up with right now is the oppressor has done his job so well that we refuse to see the divinity within ourselves. That's right. And because we are unable to see the divinity within ourselves, 
we will latch on to an idea of divinity that is closer to fiction yes. than the actual truth. Because that actual truth will make you come to terms with the fact that you are actually hand in glove with the continuation of your own oppression. Man, that is so well said. And um, in all of this, what do I begin to, what, 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 what are we saying all this to actually, but what are, what are we trying to say? Over time, historically, the oppression and the subjugation of our people, mm. you know, has, it, it, it's actually not by chance. Mm-mm. You know, it's actually things that have been well thought of, thought of, mm-hmm. well thought about. And um, one of this, one of the instruments of this oppression, one of these instruments for us in Africa, that we're in Africa, you know, one of the instruments of colonization was religion. The Christian religion even as here. defined even by here. Europe. That's right. Even here. Even here. Even here. So what, 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 you know, what, what do I now you know, I'm not telling anybody necessarily what to believe, not within, not in the context of what we're doing here. Mm. The truth that I'm telling to the king, again, is to re-examine, mm. to sit back and think about even this Christianity, that one of the reasons, one of the excuses, right, for colonization, for, you know, where, where they defend themselves, you know, um, especially within the religious um, community in Africa, right, is mm. that we brought salvation to you. No, mm. they did not, you know, bring salvation to us. They did not bring Christianity. They did not bring Christ to Africa. It was already there. It was already there, mm. you know. Forget about even the Old Testament. The New Testament, the book of Acts, tells you that you were already there. Mm. Acts chapter 8 I cannot come to tell, I, it just makes absolutely no sense to me for me to tell you I bring good news, I bring news to you that I'm reading off of a book mm. that you're in. How can that be news to you? So to me, right, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier on. I wonder how many Christians understand just how close Egypt is to Israel. Egypt and Israel share a contiguous border. You can literally walk from Egypt into Israel. Christ, if you believe in him, and his parents walked from Israel to Egypt. To Egypt. So this Christ was there. So this Christ came to Africa, Africa. as a child. He was resident in Africa, Africa as a child. Yes. Until he became old enough and they were no longer looking for him. And then he went back to Palestine, to Palestine, which some people also say is in Africa. Africa. So what am I saying to the king? I'm saying to the king very, very simply, everything that has been used against you has been used to subjugate you. Yes. There is no white Christ. Absolutely none. But you cannot end there. My, my wish My absolute wish is not just that you pat yourself on the back that there's a possibility that your Savior looks like you. No, I don't care about that. I care that you start to recognize and understand that there's divinity within you. 
And if you understand that there's divinity within you, maybe we will start to look at ourselves in a different way. We started this conversation talking about identity. I do not care how the oppressor views you. I care how you view yourself. So here is my message to the king. Re-examine everything you've ever been taught. And in lies, find the truth.